Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 104 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. We have a winner in our honeypaw competition and it's all systems go this weekend. And despite the coronavirus, beekeeping in isolation begins. Stay tuned for my latest update and plans for this weekend. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm grateful to Honeypore Hives for sponsoring in part our podcast for this season. Honeypore Hives, as I'm sure you're aware, are Polly Langstroth Hives, and we're setting up an apiary full of their hives this season, courtesy of Honeypore. Check out their range of hives and other equipment on their website, and I'll leave links to all of the websites in the show notes as usual. Honeypore Hives, designed by beekeepers for beekeepers. Welcome back to the podcast, and without further delay, the winner of the Honeypore Polly Langstroth Hive competition is Ricky Taylor, who lives in Gibraltar. He correctly answered the question I posed, along with quite a number of others, I have to say, but he was the lucky one, randomly drawn from the list of correct entries, and wins the fantastic Honeypore Polly Langstroth Hive. I'm arranging to send the box of kit over to Ricky, and hopefully, once he's got it made up, he'll send us a photograph or two showing it in action for me to share with everyone. Congratulations, Ricky. Apart from the excitement of the competition, I've had, actually, a bit of a nightmare week. I should qualify that by saying anything I do with my beekeeping is totally insignificant compared to the work currently being undertaken by everyone out there helping us all get through the coronavirus outbreak, and I really don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. But what a couple of days I had midweek. I'm currently socially distanced from Steph and Pete. As you know, Steph does all the fabulous work behind the camera, and Pete is my comedy sidekick. Check out the um, stand building video for evidence. Anyway, trying to be safe and sensible, I'm recording my own videos at the moment, at least for the next couple of weeks, and Pete continues to do good work at the workshop in my absence. The challenges for me started when I went over to the field of oilseed rape. I thought I would record a video showing how far advanced the crop had got. It was starting to flower across the field and is about ready to take bees. What I hadn't realised was just how windy it was, and after my fabulous open-air discussion about the benefits of having bees on oilseed rape, I got back home only to find I had around 20 minutes of wind noise and very little voice. Turned out all I could do was bin it and try again another day, which I've yet to do. Then to follow that up, and as some of you will know, I've been having a few issues with what turned out to be 84 kilograms of soft-set honey. I say soft-set honey, but in reality it was solid-set honey, and it was stuck in my creaming unit. To explain the setup that I have first might give you a better understanding of where I'm coming from with this little challenge. I have an Melter warming tank, one of the uses that I can use it for is to liquefy around four 30-pound buckets or three 60-pound buckets of honey at one go. 
This then goes into my 100 kilo Carl Fritz single walled creamer. This has an Archimedes screw thing in the middle which stirs and mixes the honey. I use it for both soft-set honey and runny honey. It weighs an awful lot, so lifting it on my own isn't an option, even when it's empty. I have this sat on top of a stainless steel table, with the outlet tap connected to a food-grade hose, which connects to my Swenty Dana Appymatic 1000 bottling machine. This works with a motor that spins a couple of concealed cogs, which drives the honey through a nipple at the bottom and into the jars. So far, so good. The problem began when I filled the tank with the aforementioned 84 kilos of honey and set it off to convert from runny honey to soft-set honey. The beauty of this creamer unit is when I use a little oilseed rape honey in the mix, it's guaranteed to give the finest soft-set texture you could ever imagine. It has the feel of smooth buttercream icing, and even that doesn't do it justice. Anyway, it's been a busy old time and I managed to get sidetracked at the workshop and, yep, you've guessed it, the whole thing set solid as a rock. I went in to find that not even the motor on the timer was enough to keep it from setting. We had a very cold night and I guess the sudden drop in temperature was enough to push it over the edge. Allow me to introduce you to the mind of a commercial beekeeper. I like to think we're a resourceful lot, up for a challenge, willing to engineer, reverse engineer, cajole, persuade, beg, you name it. We'll give it a go to get the job done. Now, you all know I'm not really one for workshop-style projects. I defer to Pete for all things Heath Robinson, but for this, I was on my own. There was no way I was going to be able to scoop all that honey out. I couldn't lift it off the table, and the only possible solution appeared to be warm it again to make it soft enough to churn. So how do you do this? The honey room is in fact the back end of my very cold garage, with no heat, and the days were not going to get any warmer over the week to allow me to sort it. So looking around the honey room, I did have my appy melter. So I wedged open the lid a bit with a strip of wood and turned it on nice and low to get a little general warmth into the room. Next, I dug out my old homebrew fermentation heating belt. It's basically a heating strip that loops around a fermenting bin to keep it warm. This went around the outside of the creamer, fitted about two thirds of the way round, and to the outside of this I taped a couple of pillows. I'd like to say old pillows, but I'm not sure that they were. Anyway, the belt needed insulating, and they were what came to hand. So I was all set. The only other issue was the heating belt is either on or off, no temperature control. And so I spent a nervous night with regular broken sleep, worrying that there would be a knock at the door from the local fire service arriving to put out a fire in the garage. Fortunately, this didn't happen, and rather bleary-eyed, I got myself back into the honey room to find the honey had started to soften, but not enough to be stirred for longer than one turn of the spindle. What was happening was the honey nearest the heat belt was softening, but the core was still fairly solid, and when I started the stirrer motor, all that happened was the middle stirrer lifted the solid honey into the lid. Well, it would have if I hadn't stopped it. 
it looked like it would need another at least 24 hours. So I kept going back through the day to check on it. And by the evening, it looked like it was probably going to be fine by the following morning. To cut a very long story short, and I hate to do that, but to cut a very long story short, I eventually got the honey back into its softened state and was able to set up the bottling machine. But this led on to another self-created problem. For some reason, I couldn't get the honey to pull through the filling machine. All that seemed to happen was a back filling of air into the hose. It looked like I had an air leak somewhere in the hose. After a couple of attempts and a lot of cleaning and an awful amount of cursing, it suddenly dawned on me what the problem was. On the filling machine, there's a switch where you can switch the flow direction and use it as a pump, and I had somehow pressed that button to reverse the flow and push rather than pull. So each time I started it up, it was trying to push the honey back into the tank rather than fill the jars. Once I figured that out, it worked a treat. Back to normal, and I filled around 240 jars of honey in less time than it takes to clean everything out. So I had two tricky situations this week to test my sense of humour. I'm happy to report that my sense of humour is still intact, but only just. I have to say, I can't wait for the weekend to arrive. I'd like to get this week behind me and get stuck into some beekeeping. And this is the weekend to start the season. The weather is set fair for Sunday. Temperatures of 17 to 20 degrees centigrade. That's as much as 68 degrees Fahrenheit. And great weather for inspecting bees. But first, I have to move them. Well, not all of them. Just the ones going to the oilseed rape. I'm a little concerned as I'm going to have to do it all alone. I normally have some help lifting, but I'm sure if I take it easy, I'll be fine. The nukes going to the oilseed rake will be easy. It's just the full-size hives that I may struggle with. Pete and his brother-in-law William have completed the hive stands. Those are going to the field on Thursday evening, so they'll already be there by the time this podcast is published. And the nukes should have been moved on Friday morning or possibly Saturday morning, depending on how I get on. I'm hoping that next week I'll be reporting on some actual inspections, which is really exciting. Of course, I'm talking about inspections here in Norfolk in the UK. Always pay attention to your local conditions and make a judgment as to whether your local conditions are warm enough for inspecting, as I talked about last week. The main task for me initially is to get all of the nukes transferred across into full-size hives. They're bursting to get on and build more comb, so I think within a week they should have brood boxes pulled. With the forecast for the week ahead being so good, both daytime and nighttime temperatures holding up, I think the colonies will be really busy with the nectar flow. It's about to start on the oilseed rape and I can't wait. In this instance, there won't really be any need to put feeders on, but I'm going to put a couple of feeders on to compare two or three of them in another video. The other task that starts in earnest is spring cleaning. Each apiary gets a full clean-out. New floor, brood box and crime board for each hive. But to this, I'm going to add a queen excluder and either supers or additional brood boxes to be drawn, as I want to give lots of extra space this spring. Firstly, to try to alleviate any swarming tendency, and secondly, in case I get caught out by the coronavirus. 
the colonies on the oilseed rape are going to get the equivalent of three supers each right from the start. It's such an opportunity for them to store huge quantities of nectar. I don't want to leave them short of space. Over in the 14 by 12 apiary, I have three newly cleaned hives ready to swap out the three colonies we have there. And of course, as we move nukes into full-size hives, we'll have the nuke boxes that will need to be washed and refilled with frames ready for our queen rearing. These will be split into three frame boxes in the case of the BS Honey National Nukes, and the new frames with foundation that we put into these will be used when we swap out frames from the donor colonies that will be used to populate the nukes once more. This then is the start of my queen rearing process too. Those nukes will be queenless and allowed to become hopelessly queenless before we introduce sealed queen cells into them from our breeding programme. Hopelessly queenless means they don't have any way to produce a queen. That all sounds rather grand, a breeding programme, but it's really just selecting our very best couple of colonies from last year and using those as donor colonies. The next best six or so colonies will be used as drone donor colonies, and I know a lot of you are really interested in the concept of drone donor colonies, and I promise to talk more in depth about this in the coming weeks. Over the years, I've tried a few different methods of raising queens. The majority have found their way into a video at some point, of course. All of them have their own pros and cons, benefits and drawbacks. Some require an increase in equipment. Some need multiple apiary sites, while others seem too simple to be any good. I'd definitely like to share more about this topic in the coming weeks. Remember, if you're not signed up to my podcast here, you're going to be around three or four weeks later than those who are signed up. It's just $5 per month and you gain access to all of the videos as well as the podcasts. And remember, you're also helping me to continue to support the wider beekeeping community with my website and Facebook group. I've recently been able to get some extra help with editing my videos, which frees me up to go out and, yes, make more videos. I know a lot of you listening will already be supporters and I'm so very grateful for that support. Well, I guess I should go get ready to move some bees. The season is just about here and I'm excited to be sharing it with you all. Have a great beekeeping week, stay safe and please remember to check out my Patreon page where you can access lots more content. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. (laughs)